Hi, I'm Justin Boyd. Hi, I'm George Luna. Hi, I'm Brittany Pacheco. And I'm Frank Cooper. And I'm Nathan Hale. And we are the Watchers in the Basement. Yes, we are. Uh, welcome back to another edition of the Watchers in the Basement podcast. And I know you guys are aware, but hopefully everyone else is aware that um, as you're watching us on Facebook Live, we appreciate that. We're also available to our podcast is available to watch other places. And you can listen to the audio of the same podcast other places as well. I'm going to toss it to Brittany now. Let her explain how you can listen and watch this show. Brittany, take it away. So you can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, thanks to Anchor.fm. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating because that would help us out a lot. You know, we're a, a small podcast, but we're a proud one. And also, you can follow The Watchers in the Basement on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, like our latest video podcast, and hit that notification bell so you can be the first to find out the latest from us. And last but not least, to help our audience, uh, we need help from our audience, rather, to help us grow. So don't forget to use hashtag WatchersBasement when sharing our podcast. Hey, thanks, Brittany. So let's let's get down to it. We're talking about episode uh, season two, episode four of The Boys. The title of the episode is Nothing Like It in the World. I'm now going to read the uh, Amazon uh, Prime description for the show. Road trip. The boys head to North Carolina to follow a lead on a mysterious soup named Liberty. And did you know a person's choice of candy bars might tell you if they're a serial killer? I didn't know that. Watch and learn the warning signs. This episode... This episode could save your life. So, so first off, everybody, let's just go around the room. What's your favorite candy bar? Brittany, go ahead. Ooh, um, I actually really like Three Musketeers. I, I just like how fluffy the chocolate is, and I don't know. I just I like Three Musketeers. What about you, George? Mine is that Hershey's, uh, the cookies and cream chocolate bar. Oh, I'm all about the Symphony chocolate bar with the. Uh, it's a Hershey's brand with like a toffee almonds in it. Oh, it's so good. All right, Nathan, what about you? Well, um, that's tough. I really like Reese's peanut butter cups, but ironically, I think my probably all time favorite is Almond Joy, ironically. So, yeah. Oh, perfect time. Yeah, perfect time <laughs> for the episode. Uh, yep. So my favorite, uh, I think my favorite all time is Snickers. When I was a kid, I used to love Nestle Crunch. So oh, I I'm sure, I, I'm sure I still would. I just haven't had one in forever. I can't remember the last time I had a Nestle Crunch. But uh, do they still make those? I think so. I That'd be seen. like that. That would be like life changing news if they did. Yeah, I mean, I think I, have you had the ones from the movie theater? They're in the box, and it's like a, it's like little shape. They look like little popcorns, but it's Nestle Crunch in like bite form. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. It's very good. I oh man. I like the Nestle Crunch ice cream. That's pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's really good. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> so as you can see, we're off to a great start here. But uh, so back to the episode. Um, you know. I think George saw this before any of the rest of us. He watched the episode first. And I think you, George, I think you nailed it when you described it. You said, you know, there's not a lot of action in this episode, but there's a lot of character development and the story really kind of moves along at a good pace. And so uh, this week on this week's show, we're going to talk about the characters. Like we're instead of just doing a, a 
episode long recap. Let's really look at the characters for the uh, for each episode and talk about like who was you know what happened to each of the key characters. So let's start out with Homelander. Uh, obviously, he's the leader of the seven. And he uh, led the episode off, and we had a surprising return of Madeline Stillwell, or at least we thought so. I, I was fooled, honestly. I thought that it was—I thought it was either a dream, or I thought he cloned her or something. But it—it uh, it turns out that's not the case. Uh, Brittany, you want to tell us more about this? Yeah. So, uh, seeing Madeline Stillwell back in the episode in in lingerie, and she's got the milk, and you know she's trying to uh, seduce Homelander, which still is very disturbing um <clears throat> i thought too it was maybe like a memory or he was dreaming but no it ended up being doppelganger and he's a soup that we've seen turn into madeline stillwell in season one who had um relations with the very conservative senator and so it, it just blew my mind um that homelander has like come down to this point where he needs madeline in a way but he has to use doppelganger to make that happen so <laughs> it was weird it was disturbing so george what do you think about all that when you like the episode first opens and they're at a secluded like log cabin or somewhere out in the woods yeah, yeah. i could i could i was like i was like wait a minute i was like well, what's happening i did i wasn't sure what to think about it i i personally believe that she maybe like he had a clone of her made or something like you don't know what Bob can do and then uh Anna told me that she's like no and she's like I bet you it's a doppelganger and it ended up being she ended up being right but she it was it. so creepy like it, I think Homelander this episode we definitely see a lot of his issues and like he did, his story like character development through this episode is pretty pretty major we learn a lot about him and as the episode goes on, I guess I'll, I'll comment like, like more on that. Yeah, I mean, you really see kind of how um, how insecure he is, even though he's like the, the most powerful person in the world. He's uh, definitely concerned with the fact that Stormfront appears to be the new leader or the uh, the people's champ, so to speak, uh, of the uh, the seven. Uh, so, Frank, what did you think about that storyline? How it, you know it's he's uh. He looks weak, really, honestly. What would you think about that? Yeah, I, I think that whole ordeal, those scenes with Madeline was just was symbolic to him missing her. I think he, I think I think last season when he killed her was in a fit of rage. I think uh, I think now that the dust has settled, that he now regrets doing that because every scene we've seen it, every scene that we've seen in season two so far, it had to do with milk. Um, him being lost, him being lost as far as like guidance and, and how to run the seven and not having body in his corner. And the minute that he killed Madeline Stillwell was the minute that the tide, the tide turned and that he's not the focal point of the seven anymore because old buddy Edgar does not, he does not cut for a homelander. And, and Edgar is doing everything to put Liberty, not Liberty, I'm sorry, Stormfront. <laughs> In the in the in the forefront of, of the team, so I think that's it. I think it's just him, just really, really um, feeling guilty from the mistakes that he made and realizing that man, I did need her. Look what I have done, and I can't go back to it now. And this is the, this is the, the this is the best thing that he can he can have is his doppelganger, you know, 
masquerading as her. I wanted to ask y'all a question about the comment that Madeline makes to Homelander about because he's the leader of the seven, he nurtured them and fed them and watered them and all that stuff that he needs to tear out the weeds. Like I thought it was really interesting that even though we know Madeline is like, is dead or whatever, that would that have been something she would have said to him? And I'm just like really curious as to when doppelganger embodies another person, like does he just take on the physical aspect of them or does he like somehow know how they think? Open-ended question to anyone who wants to answer. I think he, I think he just kind of, he's like an actor. You know, like he, he takes the, uh, you know, the information that Homelander gives him and then kind of creates this character, this fantasy character that Homelander wants anyway. So I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's like a full on takeover of that person, you know? I don't know. Nathan, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree. And, and here's, here's why, uh, kind of not to jump ahead, but the moment, like I, I was like everybody else, I was like, what is this a clone? What's going on? I'm confused. Uh, and then, and then when there was the reveal that was doppelganger, my very first thought was, oh, he's dead. He's so dead because you know that just like we've seen with, um, in the past with Madeline, she could say things to trigger him and screw up. And I knew there's no way he like just instantly possesses her memory. So he was going to say something, do something to screw that up. And Homelander, as we've seen, has is, is kind of like a child, a little bit of a short fuse. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was my very first thought upon the realization that was doppelganger was doppelganger was probably not long for this world. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. It's 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 he gets the physical form, but he doesn't get all the, the the memories or anything that would allow him to to completely embody that role. Yeah, like the essence of the person, it's just a he he just is a lookalike basically. Because then we find out at the end that you know doppelganger in a in a way to appeal to Homelander, he becomes Homelander Homelander himself. So it's Homelander and Homelander action and. I don't know about y'all, but I thought we were going to get that. I really did. I, I, this show just goes so many places, and I would not have been as surprised at all to see that happen. What do y'all think? I'll start with Brittany. That was, I mean, this show obviously pushes the envelope on many different levels, but to the idea to see one-on-one -on -one action, like literally one-on-one -on -one action, you know, with yourself, I was, I was cringing because it's this appeal of oh you're the best and you know you can you know no one can outdo you and you're so hot and this and that i was i was getting so disturbed by this whole thing and then i thought to myself would homelander actually enjoy watching himself do things that he shouldn't be doing <laughs> in, in that sense of of, of a, a bj so i'm just you know i was i don't know what do y'all what do y'all think george it was it was pretty disturbing. Uh, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, is he gonna do it?" Like, cause it, it, it looked like it was. His head got pretty far down, and then yeah, yeah. Thank thank, thank God it, that was as far as I could go. I'm glad it stopped out there because <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty it was pretty bad. And then uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, the doppelganger didn't survive too much longer after that. <laughs>
Thank so, your thoughts on that. <laughs> um, you know what? That whole scene itself didn't surprise me not one bit. Like the man thinks he's a god. Like, make no mistake. He told his son when they're when they're on the roof. I think episode two, he was like, "Dude, we're gods, and sometimes as gods, we feel lonely." Like he really believes he he really believes he's 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 a celestial. So with that being said, and most of the times when people are, who are who are that arrogant and narcissistic, that's that's a that's a tall tale sign is when you're so into yourself that it 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 looks as if it's almost sexual. So when I saw that scene, I was like, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he talked himself off in that scene. Like I, I wouldn't have been surprised at all because he's he's so into himself and he. He really views himself as the engine that runs the world, not the seven, the world. So I thought that was a great scene. I thought it was powerful. Um, it, I was mildly surprised that he, that he snapped out of it. I thought that he, I thought that he was, was going to go through with it. He sold into himself is ridiculous. So on that topic, though, because the fact that the Homelander dop- doppelganger is telling him the things that he thinks he wants to hear about, you know, everyone loves you and you're the greatest, et cetera. Homelander then says to to Homelander doppelganger that, you know, I don't need you. Now, is that is that a comment to the doppelganger saying the comments that he said or he himself is kind of like saying that to himself, you know, I don't need you, Homelander, but it's it I don't know if I'm making sense because he No, you are. He, okay. Was he was he speaking to himself as if in a mirror or was he speaking to doppelganger? There you go. Thank you. Uh, and that's that's a good point. I, I wondered the the same thing uh, during that scene. I thought that was actually the most interesting dynamic. Like I said, when he first appeared as doppelganger early in the show, I was like, oh, he's a dead man. I know he's going to screw up. So I wasn't surprised in the masturbation scene, you might call it, uh, when uh, he ends up killing doppelganger. Um, but I thought that was interesting as he's saying that was he actually talking to himself and i kind of i kind of believe he was like i i don't think he was so much talking to doppelganger in those last moments as he was himself uh and And, i'm glad you brought that point up Brittany. yeah and and the only reason why i say that and again this is going to be an open question that anyone can answer obviously is because the fact that he made that comment of i don't need you or i don't need anybody but myself, he did say that at one point in the show. It made me also wonder, has he given up all hope with any kind of relationship with his son, Ryan? Because as you all recall from last episode, Ryan like flipped out on him and basically told him to F off and, you know, he hates him. So what, you know, what kind of path is Homelander going to be on at this point? I think that, go ahead, great question, Brittany. Uh, Sorry, I think that's your first question. Um, about him, um, about him asking whether or not, by him uh, saying, I don't need you. I think he was talking to Doppelganger slash Madeline because Madeline Stewart was the person that was, she had, she had all the answers. Well, whether it was PR related, whether it was, you know, we need a press release, prepare a statement, anything that, that Vault needed at that time, Stewart was the answer. And even season one, you saw how much of a crutch that Homelander was. I mean, Homelander, you still still was, um, and I think the beginning of 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 the crutch breaking is when he was at uh that uh after the plane crash when he spoke to the media. That was like the first you saw of like 
of him kind of like going off script and talking about things that Madeline didn't want him to, to talk about. So um, when, when he says that's a doppelganger, I really believe that he's he's washing himself of like being um, babysat and, and, and being spoon fed. I'm now, I'm my own man. All I need is me. You know, Edgar's not in my corner. Stormford's not in my corner. The seven's not in my corner. I'm in my, I'm in my corner. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think he was speaking to Doppelganger and to like, uh, you know, basically using that as a representation of Vought or Stillwell or whoever. Well, even of- the Homelander that was in the embodiment of the seven of that image. So I think it's kind of all right. encompassed there. It's basically uh, basically the entire scenes with him there felt like um, uh, that this episode was kind of like Homelander's midlife crisis, if you will. Um, and so I think it was him shedding the old life and stepping into a new. Um, and that was casting off the old Homelander, the, the, the need for Madeline, the need for Vought, all of that. I think, I think we're all kind of hitting on that same mark. Um, and it was, it was a, it was a powerful, uh, way to show that. You think he'll have a black suit like Superman? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Superman came back from the death from the dead, he was wearing a black suit. Which, God, we're not going to By the way, by the way, you're, we'll be able to see that in the, in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League next year. So, well, that would that would imply that we actually watch it. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. gonna watch it. I'm gonna hate watch it, but I'm gonna watch it. Hard pass, hard pass. But George, yeah. uh, George, I want to. I'm gonna pick on you. What do you think about the idea that maybe Homelander has given up hope on on Ryan? I don't know. I. I know he did freak, like Brian did freak out on on him last episode, and I, I don't know if he's given hope, given up hope just yet. I think he's still gonna try and like convince him somehow to like start using his powers to try and just like be like him. I don't know. I feel like Homelander's gonna do something bad to try and get him to his son to become like him or just use his powers in some sort of way. Uh, which I hope is not the case, and I hope he doesn't do anything to harm his mom or anything. I don't know, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's about it. I think, um, as far as the Homelander and his son, to me, this speaks to how quickly this show moves along. Because besides that one scene, we haven't really seen a whole lot between them, as far as like bad, ill will or anything like that. And so to me, like, it feels like there, we need more story or we need more information to really decide whether Homelander's given up on the kid. I, I don't personally think he has because I think he looks as the kid as an extension of himself. Um, but who knows? With this show, to me, this show moves really fast. So it's who, the kid may be like 25 in the next episode. Who knows? Like, I, you know, I, I never can. I can't tell. But uh, moving along, Nathan, a second ago, you mentioned the fact that. Homelander has kind of reached like a midlife crisis of some sort. And it seems the character that's kind of pushed in the most is uh, Stormfront. So let's get into her storyline in the, in the show. Um, she doesn't get a ton of screen time, but uh, she, uh, she puts up shots. You know what I'm saying? Like she comes off the bench and scores 20 points on like seven shots. You know what I'm saying? Like she's yep. getting rebounds, getting assists. She's out there playing the game. Um Let's let's get she's into making her. soldiers, right? Right, and she's doing it through social media. With social social media is like her one of her powers almost. 
And she talks about that, about how, you know, she's got five guys on mat, on laptops making memes and she's more effective as a leader than a uh, Homelander is with, with Vought's backing and hundreds of millions of dollars. And um, I thought that was kind of interesting. It was kind of a, just the whole, her character is, I mean, obviously there's so many layers to this character, but in her interactions with Homelander, and this is open-ended, whoever wants to answer, <clears throat> how would, how would you describe how she reacts to him? Cause it, to me, it seems like given her history, which we'll talk about in a little while, I would think that she's probably as powerful or more powerful of Homelander, but then in moments where he confronts her, she kind of backs down and looks like she's afraid of him. So, so what do y'all think about that? I think yeah. oh, uh, I think there's what you're saying is is spot on. I think in many ways they're probably like on par in in terms of how powerful they are. But I I still want to say that Homelander has like like some advantage to it, not just because of the fact that um, he's been in seven for most likely the longest, or I don't know, but, but because you know we learn what we learn about Stormfront. Um, she does cower for sure um when he she pushes him too much and i i don't know because there's there's other aspects of that kind of relationship that still makes me wonder like is this gonna turn into a let's be besties but i'm really just gonna stab you in the back in the meantime we're also gonna like you know fool around because i still get those vibes especially in this episode where she kind of like she's, to me, at some point, she seems like she's coming on to Homelander. I don't know. What, what, I don't know. Frank, you were going to say something. Yeah, I get I get Peter Baelish vibes from her. I, I, I think I think she's just using the manipulation game. Um, I think she's actually probably more powerful than Homelander. But I think she just, she's just down in the back as if she needs Homelander by keeping him at bay, by keeping him at check. So I, I think she's doing a great job. Look, first off, she's been live for... God knows how long she could be immortal. So, she, so from that standpoint, she probably knows a lot more, seen a lot more than your average superhero or average human being. So, I, I, I think she's just planting her seeds and biding her time before she strikes. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a buddy buddy coalition between her and Homelander, with her, you know, eventually the Homelander to, to, to get an advantage or something. What she wants, we don't know yet. Hopefully, the next couple of episodes will will dive dive into that. As far as like, you know, what she desires. Well, I have a question. How old is Homelander? And because we learned that Liberty, Lady Liberty, or whatever, is actually Stormfront, but we we know that she's super old. She's old as hell. Uh, I, I forgot what the dates were, but how old is Homelander? Because I, I was under the impression that he was like the first suit for some reason. I don't know why I was thinking that, but is she older than him? That is a good question. Uh, and, and that's one I've been kind of wondering myself, uh, in particular in this episode. Because in the, in the first season, I got the impression because of the way he was, was raised that uh he was one of the original and and you know the scientist i can't remember his name was saying you know we screwed up with you we've learned from that so i was like he must be one of the original ones but i also knew because there was mention i think in season one of soldier boy uh there was there was a and 
just from the little knowledge of the comic that these these people were around and Vought was around. It was in the commercial they played at some point since the 40s. So I was like, well, that doesn't jive unless the world just knows that Homelander's 80 years old or whatever. But there was never anything said to that effect. So that got me wondering. And now with the revelation of who Liberty is, was, is, whatever, um, and the fact that we know who's coming in season three as Soldier Boy. Um, so that opens up the question of, of when did things change? How did it change? Uh, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that uh, he's not as old as Liberty. Um, I think that would already have been addressed if he was. Uh, it's, it's clearly something Vought has, has gone through efforts to hide or else it'd be public knowledge. Um, so I don't know if we'll get an answer to that until season three with, with soldier boy, to be honest, I, I think they're kind of holding out on that and, and lording that over us this season. I could be wrong. They may, they may reveal it all next episode for all we know, but I get the feeling they're going to, that's going to be one of the bigger secrets held until season three. Is soldier boy, like uh, the, you said this for next season. Is he like one of the older, like lady liberty times? Yeah, he was also uh, from World War II. Okay. Um, so, yeah, these these are all Liberty. Uh, they're kind of making the playoff, uh, if you will, the um, the Avengers. Uh, in fact, in fact, and I only know this because from the comics, uh, and, and, and I've, I've watched a lot of stuff on the comics. I haven't read them. But they talk about a group that was kind of like the Avengers. And if you guys, I know Frank's familiar. They're Avengers. And actually, you've seen the movies, Winter Soldier, all that. Uh the Avengers as a comic started out, um, they were a follow-up to um, the characters or the original ones were, were with World War II. I mean, Captain America punching Hitler was an iconic piece of comic book art. Um, so the whole idea of the Avengers in, in the world of the boys is there's a group called Payback, which is where Stormfront's from as well as uh, Soldier Boy and Liberty. I believe Liberty was a part of their group and some others whom I don't even know. Uh, they've yet to be revealed in the show in some form. So I'm wondering if we're gonna see a resurgence of the group Payback in some form. And was Payback the first attempt at the seven and it went awry or it, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know where they're gonna take it in the show, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where they go. And it looks like they're definitely paying at least homage to that with uh, to the comic with uh, Soldier Boy and Liberty being in here. Nathan and Brittany, I have a question for you guys. What you guys brought up kind of, kind of reminded me of what happened in season one. So um, we, we have a lot of loose storylines without not really any tied ends yet. Um, and this season we've seen a lot of makeshift with the, the seven roster. I wonder I wonder if that's going to tie back to what happened to Lamplighter in season one. Because with Lamplighter, we know that he retired. He retired. Um, so I'm not sure if that's going to play a part as far as why he retired. Was it because he find out that they weren't actual full-blooded superheroes and that he found out about the, about the V? Or what, what got in the way of him retiring? Um, because as you see with Vault, they do a lot of PR. Like I'm sure, I'm sure with um I'm sure with uh you know with Chan Lucent dying and, and what's going on and what what's what's going on with uh Deep and stuff, the public has seen something totally different. So I wonder I wonder with Lamplighter 
if, if that's gonna be that if that ties into like everything that's going on with the seven behind the scenes with Liberty and and, and Soldier Boy as you know maybe for next year. Well, kind of to your point about that, Frank is. Nathan, first off, you you absolutely called it in our last podcast about Liberty and, and Stormfront. Um, that was awesome. I really didn't see that coming up until, obviously, when it was revealed. Probably, I think, probably the biggest takeaway from this episode, for sure. But what we know about Stormfront is that she is, like, pretty freaking racist. And so that makes me wonder about her her whole being having been from world war ii era you know is she on the side with the allies or is she more you know on on the other side to uh because of what you had said about her making a comment about homelander's very blue eyes he looks very aryan um she in this episode as liberty was incredibly racist towards um a, a young man a black young man and killed him you know for a crime he didn't commit. So that's that's my curiosity about her as you know as a as a soup. And then how is Soldier Boy? Is he on the side of you know of the allies or is he you know in line with her? You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. where does Lighter fall into all that as well to to your point, Frank? So I don't know. I mean Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. That's kind of been and, and again, um I haven't actually I haven't read the comics. I've I've only I just keep watching random videos about the various comics um trying to catch up on the backstory from the comics which is a terrible way to do it because it's all jumbled and out of order which is the only reason i even knew that the, that that liberty might have been stormfront was because that was just a theory thrown out there and one of them i read when they were talking about stormfront and i was like okay and then i started looking and looking at uh the episode when i did the rewatch and i was like i'm seeing all these liberty posters i was like i bet that's gonna be a thing and 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 of course with it being a, a a key component of the third episode in the discussion with um, Ma- Mallory. Am I? I can't remember. Yeah, Mallory uh, and uh, Butcher. I was like, okay, th- I I think that's where they're going with this, and, and sure enough, they did. Um, now, as far as like Lamplighter, like you mentioned his retirement, Frank, and I thought that was, I thought, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did retire, but I thought they were that was a cover up. That he perhaps did die during that whole Mallory situation operation. Because Frenchie in episode two of season one makes a comment that he could count on one hand the number of supers he's killed. And I feel like Lamplighter might have actually been one of those. And they retired him because they didn't want to admit to his actual death. And if there's any soup that probably had it coming in the backstory as much of a big deal as they made out of the whole Mallory situation, I would think Lamplighter would be that one. Uh, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, and Lamplighter sounds like somebody who would have been around since the 40s. That's just in my head because they always reminded me of uh, the Human Torch, who is, or, or the Torch as he originally was back in the 40s when he was a part of this group of the early Avengers that weren't the Avengers quite yet. So what do you guys think? Is it possible that maybe he was just getting so old they had to retire him because he was from that era? No, I, I think you're right, Nathan. I think he was re- retired because he was killed. But I, I have done some kind of advanced research, and they did cast somebody for Lamplighter. And so it may be in like a flashback or something. 
because I, I I know this actor. He he was on uh, Smallville for a little while, and so I, I you know I think that there's a chance that it might be like a flashback or something. But I do think he's the character like going forward. I believe is dead. That that's just my two cents. Yeah, because if you think about it, when when it was announced about um, Lamplighter's retirement, you know, you never saw him actually there being recognized and honored and it's all that because I'm going to jump a little bit ahead about uh, A-Train because <laughs> in this episode, Homelander basically is uh, weeding out the team and he does so individually first with trying to with Starlight um, and he gets to A-Train basically saying, hey, you can't run anymore. You're out of the seven. You know, you're a weak link and it makes me Homelander and the seven look bad. So in, in, when A-Train is talking with Ashley about what's happening, she's like, you know, there's going to be parades. You're going to do you're going to do the circuit of talk shows. You're going to get a reality series like they were going to make a big deal about it. Right. So with Lamplighter, he never got that. So I, I think to your, y'all's point about him actually being dead and it's a cover up much to like translucent who actually is dead though that was different but uh, yeah I, I i don't i don't think we're gonna see lamplighter in an actual like present state it's gonna be all from before yeah i, I totally agree with that and uh you know going back a little bit ago y'all were talking about about liberty a lot of liberty talk right and y'all know me like i'm i'm pretty much a creative genius i mean i've you know I'm I'm one of the best at creating things, and I was thinking you write like, your own jokes. Even I write my own jokes. You're right, I do, and I think you're going to enjoy this one. So don't don't step on it. Um, so I was thinking like Liberty, right? Like, what if Liberty had like a theme song or a jingle? And I was like, what would that sound like? And I thought about it for a second, and I, and I crafted this one. Let you, I'll let, I'm just gonna let y'all hear it. See what you think. Liberty, 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 liberty. <laughs> what, what do y'all think? I knew that was coming. What, what do y'all think about that? I mean, that's just off the top of my dome. That's just, catchy, man. That's catchy. I knew it. Justin, I knew you were going to do that. As soon as you, you told me you were going to do something, I knew it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do something stupid. So um, You don't write those anyway. jokes down for nothing. No, <laughs> no, no. Actually, I didn't write it down. I just I kept it, kept it up here, right? By kept the way, we're here. not sponsored by Liberty. <laughs> no, Liberty Mutual. If you want to sponsor us, please do. Or Geico. I don't care. I'll take Geico. I'll take their money. Oh, oh man. <laughs> but anyway, so that, yeah, I had to be stupid. Let let let's move on a little bit more. Um, so we we're talking about uh, Homelander, his age or whatever. I think, like, if you follow the Superman kind of archetype, I think Superman, like, once he becomes Superman, he's kind of, like, mid-30s, whenever people are aware of him. So let's say Homelander's been around for a little while, so he's probably in his 40s. So let's go to another character who I think is in his 40s, and that's Butcher. This was a big episode for Butcher, because once again, to show how fast the show moves, he meets Becca. He sees Becca again. You, you think like that could be like the season finale. That could be next season. That could be the series finale in five years or whatever. Not with this show. Like I said, they're it's all it's all go go go. No no stop signs on this show. We he he meets Becca, and uh, Brittany. You want to talk about what happens with that storyline? 
first of all, that actually kind of bothered me how quickly that happened because it's like Butcher is working with Mallory again, saying, okay, let's let's get this so-called soup terrorist. Um, let me get him to you guys. And then you help me find Becca. And then it's like, out of nowhere, Mallory's like, oh, here's information about where we think Becca is. And then he just so happened to to go to the compound, which by the way, we still don't know where it is. Last time I said that the license plate was from Colorado, but you know, the fact that he was able to, you know, he up and left the boys, right? Leaves MM in charge <clears throat> so that he can go in and get Becca out of the, I don't know why I just quoted Becca. That was weird. Um, go get Becca out of the, the compound. Is she um, really Becca? <laughs> you know, at this point she could be another doppelganger. Who knows? <laughs> um, but how quickly all that information was was found, was given, and then he goes and climbs the damn wall to get into the compound and not be seen. Did that bother anyone else or is it just me? Or, I'm, or am nope. I that critical? But he was seen. He was seen by the camera and he flips mm -hmm. off the camera. So, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, yeah. But, but you guys understand. What no, I, I agree. It all seemed like it was too fast for me and also... You're right. Where is it? How did he find it? I mean, well, I know we know how he found it because he Mallory gave him the instructions, but it just seemed it seemed too quick to me. It's, it was an awesome story, but too fast. What do y'all think? Now that that didn't make sense because he flicks off the camera and then he asks about wearing like where can we go where there's no cameras. That makes that makes zero sense at all. Like he would I he think would have instantly got caught if no one was supposed to get into his compound. No, that's true. That's true. But I think what he was saying to Becca was, I know there's a lot of cameras here. Where can we go where there's no cameras? Because he was aware yeah, of the cameras. I know. But he was saying that to like not be avoid like not to try to avoid the cameras and not be yeah. caught. But he climbed the wall before and he was already seen and he flicked off the camera. Like how did they not notice that? Like until way uh, later on. But whatever. Uh, it advanced the story pretty fast. So I'm not really complaining about it. No, I, I agree. That that bothered me as well. Um the only way I could rationalize it personally was, and, and it's, it's a weak rationalization, was that he just didn't want her to be seen on camera with him because it could get her in trouble. He didn't care what happened to him. He's like, fuck all about that. That's the only thing I could figure. But I agree. That was kind of a weak chink in the whole story there. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, because for the most part, I mean, the, the story will kind of like, you get pieces of of the puzzle and then you're here's the completed puzzle but with this it was just like last episode okay here here's the deal you give me the terrorists i'll give you i'll help you find becca now it's like okay well the terrorist is dead but here you go like you know i went ahead and found her no explanation whatsoever like i can't i can't deal with that i for me i need to have like some kind of explanation i think she just felt sorry for him well, that's, that's the only explanation i see that that makes sense to me like she felt really bad for him like she was, he was doing off her, and then like he really wanted to find his wife, so she helped him out anyway. Yeah, she was triggered. She was, Mally was triggered by that because when, when um when Kamika lost when Kamika lost her brother to the hands of Stormfront, and he was just saying how how they failed the mission, she she felt bad for him. I think I think that's why she went out of her way to 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 give her that give her give give him the intel where Becca was at. No, I, I understand that. I understand that she, I mean, she shared the story about the dream. Uh, she's in Carnegie Hall where everyone that has died at the hands of a soup, you know, is, is 
sitting there watching her. I get that. But like the it's kind of like <laughs> unfortunately I have to bring up Star Wars this last episode. You know, Palpatine's back. We thought he was dead, but guess what? He's back with no explanation. I I, I just can't handle that. Well, I don't know. I don't know shit about no Palpatine, but um, I know. Uh, I, I I I I get I get why they why they did that because because like at first on one hand, she she hates to do like her grandkids are dead because of the boys, but I think I think that semblance of family and losing loved ones and now and now because you know when Butcher said that I thought she was dead, and now I know she's she's alive. I think. I think her wanted to give him hope to find his wife again, kind of like, well, kind of gives her, gives her the, the forgiving nature of like, you know what, what, what happened, what happened, happened. It sucks, but that doesn't mean that you have to lose your family member too. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, um, you know, just to continue that storyline. So, you know, Butcher, he, he finds Becca, they uh, they find a little spot where they can get together in her uh, her Subaru Forester. It looks like she's driving a Forester or something. And uh, so they they bang it out, and they they have a good scene where they're talking about you know he's she's talking about how or he's asking her how her life's been since the last time he saw her, and she explains how you know, Homelander obviously raped her, and then she had this kid Ryan, and I guess she's been there for seven or eight years I, I don't know it's hard to say time wise um and uh butcher's trying to convince her to you know i mean well he doesn't think he's convincing her he thinks he's, she's going to leave with him and ultimately she decides she's not going to leave with him because she knows that if they leave butcher is going to get rid of the kid because the kid is homelander's son and as butcher describes he's a uh, he's a soup freak and obviously she loves her son, despite the fact that he's a soup freak. And so um, she's going to stay. And so now we've got to see what happens with that as far as how will Butcher, you know, does he give up on that? Does he, you know, what's the, what's his new plan going forward? So I think that's only pretty interesting. But see, I don't think, because at one point, rather, I, there wasn't a point where Butcher had actually said, I'm going to get you and Ryan out of here. He kept saying, I'm going to get you, Becca, out of here. Like, his whole focus, to me, at least, was solely on Becca. And and because because of, obviously, the way he feels about soups and, and now that there's a, a child who is Homelander's child out there, um, you know, he doesn't want anything to do with Homelander, obviously. He just wants Becca. He wants his old life back and, and what have you. I get that. But the fact that Becca had said to to butcher about what, you know, leave my son to Vought, that way he can be raised without a mother. And then we have two Homelanders. We have two assholes in the world. Like that, that was a really profound moment because as much as Becca obviously loves butcher, like she's still going to put her child, albeit a soup before butcher. And that had to have been, that's going to be very difficult to overcome for both parties, you know, Becca and, and Butcher. So I really don't think Butcher had any intention whatsoever of taking Ryan along with them. No, I, I definitely agree. Uh, Frank, George, Nathan, do y'all have anything else to add about Butcher Becca storyline? Uh, I do have one thing to add. Um, 
it's this is a bit of a non sequitur, but you brought up the term uh, soup freak. And one thing I've noticed with this show is there's a tendency to have some really cool songs playing throughout. We've seen, you know, Jane's Addiction Stop. We heard uh, uh, Cherry Bomb, a b- bunch of good songs, right? So uh, are we going to have an episode with uh, Super Freak? So that's that's all I'm wondering. That'd be funny. You know, eventually I would have put that together, but didn't have enough time. Exactly. So. I had to beat you to it. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I have a day job. So, <laughs> do you good. really, though? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, let's move along here. So, that, so the next character, actually, we can lo- lo- uh, kind of group these characters together. But uh, with uh, with Butcher out looking for Becca, he puts MM in charge of the of the uh, the boys. And I got to say, Mother's Milk in this episode. I think he's, you know, his, his initials are MM, but I think he's the MVP, honestly. He keeps the team together. He's like the one who's always like looking out for people. He's like the one that is basically, you know, keeping Huey going. And just the, the whole storyline of how MM, Huey, and Starlight uh, go to North Carolina to find out more about Liberty. I thought that was a really awesome, you know, road trip. Yeah, road trip. Yeah. Um, that whole storyline, uh, it was one of my favorite things about the show. It really was like a, cause you get to see all these little things like the fact that, uh, MM has OCD, which Laz Alonzo, the actor who plays mother's milk, he has OCD also. So I've heard him talk about how this character allows him to just kind of be himself. He doesn't have to worry about all these like weird idiosyncrasies and having to count stuff and these like control things that are always in his head. With this character having the same issues, he can just be himself. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting. And just the whole storyline, how Starlight's back with Huey, or they're together because obviously Homelander's trying to kill her, or he's intimidating her, and they're all kind of three thrown together. And it's kind of a weird trio, but um, it makes for a great story, at least in my opinion. Uh, George, what do you think about how that played out in this episode? It was it was a good part of the storyline and in the episode, Jay. I agree with you. Uh, just seeing, I think what I liked was just seeing Huey and Starlight kind of just like have that respark moment and just kind of like gather themselves and I don't know, just try and patch things up after everything that happened, like him lying to her and she almost killed him the last episode. I feel like they they got that typical dating like, issues, you know. <laughs> What'd you say, Nathan? T- typical dating issues, nearly right. killed them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, T- typical suit dating issues, I'm <laughs> guessing. But I think we we got to see them like kind of like I don't know I don't want to say closure because like or maybe like they they I don't think they're gonna end up dating again. She's like we can't do this anymore. Like once they got back and they found out about Liberty and Star- Stormfront or whatever. Once they get back, it's like yeah, I don't think it's a good idea for us to do this anymore or like date or whatever. So I think they got that closure from that trip. And uh, I think it's something they both desperately like needed. I mean, I would probably dump someone if they told me their favorite candy bars are Almond Joy and like all these really questionable type, you know, candy bars. I mean, she, I can't even remember the other two that she named, but like they, they were really awful. Uh, and- oh, Charleston, Charleston Chew. And uh, Bit of Honey. Bit of Honey. There yeah. you go. There you go. Those sound just awful are those real i don't even know yeah they they are charleston shoes are terrible 
uh, bit like, of honey is not even really like a is that candy, a candy bar? bar that you okay. used to get them. They're little little square wrap things that remind you of like Mary Jane's or whatever in in Halloween back in like four million years ago, and they're they're not. I don't even think of them as candy bars, um, but whatever. Frank, I wanted to ask you what what was your take about MM actually being a little bit more personable because he's always kind of been like the stand not standoff but you know he's kind of this hard ass kind of dude they've got a mission he obviously he's very family oriented because he you know was in the first season he was so <clears throat> fixated on making sure that his relationship with his wife worked um being honest with her and then you know their daughter what have you but we saw a different side of mm being a little bit more vulnerable especially to starlight you know because obviously the boys albeit huey have an opinion about soup so what do, what do you think about the personal stories that we learned from mm in this episode i think i think this the interactions with, with starlight and and huey in those scenes is a is basically a mark that mother's milk is turning the corner um season one when you talk about the boys they went through you know off camera you know with the whole lamp last situation and Mary's kids and their hate for soups tell that Frenchie, mother's milk and butcher just have this stain and that and this went at all costs to bring down soups but i think with kamiko coming in last season and and, and mother's milk warming, warming up to her but through Frenchie, now seeing that you know has starlight they their saved their ass a couple times now already um one, I think he's. I think that's starting to show demonstrations that you know what, our soups ain't bad. Our soups aren't aren't vault material as far as like doing things for the for the nature of the business and making money and 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 PR stunts. Starlight is a good person, and and I've I've seen multiple examples of that. So let me let me let, let down my hair a little bit and open up and let her know that you know what, what you what 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 you're doing for us. Is appreciated. I think him sharing that was subconsciously saying that you know what, thank you, thank you for fighting for us, even though we're fugitives in this world. Thank you for having our backs, and thank you for being you know one of the good ones. Yeah, because she shares a, a personal story about her father uh, to MM as they're uh, chowing down on a donut, and and in turn MM shares a personal story about his dad um, with what they would do after after church and going to get ice cream. And then we also learn when the boys and Starlight go to meet Valerie Hunter in North Carolina, who has information about Liberty, we, we hear more about MM's background, but we don't learn a whole heck of a lot. We just learned that, you know, um, something happened between his dad, who was a lawyer, and something with Vought and his father had a very untimely death. So like, I'm, I'm very curious to find out what that story is and if we're actually going to find out what that story is. Um, that's, that's very interesting. Cause I thought, I thought Mother's Milk was, was making all that up just to get uh, her to talk. Same. And I, was like, I was like, is this, is this really true? Are you just saying that just to put a heart, the heart, you know, the, the heart, the heartstrings? No, I, I, I think it was a hundred percent true because the fact that when Huey and Starlight after meeting Valerie are in the car and they're talking about, you know, okay, so Liberty is Stormfront. She must be like 70 years old. And Huey says, Hey, MM, I didn't know that about your dad. And MM, you know, he, he gets emotional. He's like, yeah, you know, um, I thought he was a hero, 
but you know, it's just a, it's a disease. And, and if I'm not careful, I'm going to pass it on to, and so that made me curious, like if he actually means a real like type of disease, you know, obviously he's got OCD, that's beside the point, but like this fixation of, you know, his dad had a goal to maybe take down Vought. Now it's passed on to MM. And if MM's not successful, is that going to be passed on to his child to, to finish whatever was started? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the show does a great job of like showing people's uh, terror motives. Like we know Butcher's a terror motive from, you know, from his wife to the party that happened eight years ago and all that. But we don't really know we're going to this episode. We didn't. We really didn't know Frenchie's motivation or why he's part of the boys and Mother's Milk. And if that's all true, then then we have a clear understanding why this is such a big deal for him. Um, uh, part of the boys helping bring down Vought. If his if his father was a lawyer and some cricket shit happened to the point where her dad got killed, you know, because he he too much or came across some big bad you know vault files or, or thugs and they took him out. I don't understand why he, he's so so hell bent on bringing him down. Uh, Frenchie's an, is, is another person who's, I'm still, I still want to know his motivations because to continuously put your life on the line to bring down a corporation like Vault, you have to be connected in some sort of fashion. So something happened that's personal to you. I, I want to see, I want to see why Frenchie's still part of this team. Let's keep him there. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And actually, the episode opens with him, and he's Frenchie's having a hard time. He's struggling. He's uh, abusing drugs, and um, he tries to, in a, in a, as he said, is an attempt to console uh, Kamiko, who lost her brother in the last episode. He attempts to kiss her. Of course, you know she's not having that, and um, you know that we don't see a whole lot of these two characters in this episode. There's a, a little bit more interaction, like later. Well, at the very Toward the end, during Stormfront's, uh, Pub- she has like a rally appearance, or whatever. Yeah, yeah at, at Vought Square, um, Kamiko is kind of watching this happen, and and she's having flashbacks about seeing her brother be killed, mm-hmm. and she's kind of charging the stage to kind of do something to, uh, to Stormfront. And uh, Frenchie shows up out of nowhere to stop her and says, "Hey, like you won't survive if you attack her." So that was kind of their storyline for the episode. It was it wasn't. It was definitely kind of a B or a C storyline compared to the other stuff, but uh, I thought it was interesting. I mean, uh, George, what was your take on Kamiko and Frenchie? I think Frenchie overstepped like his his like boundaries by trying to kiss her, especially when she's mourning for the loss of her brother and everything. So I'm, I think he's just confused, and he he's he's been like on a like bender, just doing like all these drugs and all this stuff, and. We, we see them again when Stormfront's giving a speech in front of like a crowd and you see Kamiko like slowly creeping up on her like she was gonna try and do something and probably die in the process of doing it. And Frenchie kind of stops her and he saves her from doing something really stupid. So I'm not sure what, what Frenchie's storyline's gonna be or what's gonna happen, but I am curious to see what yeah, I, I have something like I think we, we learned a little more about uh, Frenchie's backstory than, than we realized, like how he got his name, because apparently he likes Frenching people. 
Uh-huh. Terrible, Nathan. I know. Nathan, I know. Nathan, you are getting dangerously close to my corner. Okay, that's my corner. <laughs> yeah, but it was not written down in your notes, so. I know, oh, I know. Burn. Damn it. That, I'm gonna... That's just awful. That kind of hurts. It's awful. <laughs> Me corazon well, hurts. Let's, oh uh, let's, yeah, so now we've, we've covered the uh, the – the boys let's get to the soups and Brittany, let's uh let's talk about what was going on throughout the episode which i thought was bizarre was the deep storyline these these cutaways i guess i don't know if you can really call it a cutaway but the the scenes because the first scene that we actually do see is is a woman and she's it looks like she's being interviewed and talking about you know what love is and she's talking about her experience about being engaged and and how i don't know something about kids and her husband didn't want to have kids and ultimately they didn't get married but ultimately that along with a couple of other scenes of different women being interviewed it it has to do with the deep because the church of the collective apparently have their claws in on the deep very very intently uh intensely rather um because the deep is going to be married um but he doesn't get to decide who his wife is going to be the church is going to decide because it's it's their way of rehabilitating him to get back into the seven. I don't know how that's going to work. It's crazy as hell to me, but, but I do have a question to ask Frank specifically because one, (laughs) one of the interviewees had an Ed Sheeran tattoo and Frank, I know you're a big fan of Ed Sheeran. Would you get a tattoo of Ed Sheeran on your body? Fuck. Yes, I would. (laughs) On my chest. Uh, It will be, it, it will be like, I would I would get like the red burnt orange uh dyed for his hair, like right there on my left titty. I sure would. You know, that would really show the shape of you. It really would. That uh I mean, I know you're an Ed head, so what's your real quick, Frank, what's your favorite Ed Sheeran song? Oh man, uh I don't have I have I can give you a top five. I can't I don't like to give you a top Oh you know what? Is, you know what is dumb. Is photograph in there? Photograph is number four. Okay. Pay per view, Galway Girl. Uh, um, Frank Stranger. Yeah, that's five. Yeah. That's, okay. that's, that's good. Five. Yeah. Anybody else got any Ed Sheeran thoughts? Or- oh, Lego House. Oh, no, I took it back. Take out photograph, put it in Lego House. Photograph number six. There you go. Didn't know you were so passionate about uh, Ed Sheeran, Frank. <laughs> Crushing so, that. yeah, uh, that's okay. Um, Ed Sheeran was was a guest artist on one of Eminem's songs. It's called "Those Kind of Nights." Check it out if you haven't. And, and, and George, don't you dare besmirch the name of Ed Sheeran. I don't like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I don't. That like was him. good, Nathan. That was I, good. I think we all should like should like sing a song together, like an Ed Sheeran kind of. Like a round or something, just go hard pass. Nope. Hard, hard pass. <laughs> nope. The next opener we have for the next episode should be me singing an air sharing verse. Just, just let let Frank do a solo. <laughs> we don't need anybody else. Just do him. Hey, but while we're talking about music, just a fun little trivia fact. Um, so in in the car when the boys and Starlight are heading to Raleigh. Uh, Starlight's looking for music, right? She doesn't want to hear herself on the radio, so she stumbles upon Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, so naturally he 
being the Billy Joel fan that he is, starts singing it. So does Starlight. They have a moment. It's great. That song was on an album called, ready for it? Stormfront. Wow. Huh. My mind blown. Yeah. It was, no, I had it that album, but I for forgot it was actually called that. But yeah, back in what, 89, 90, whenever yeah. that was. Yeah, it was um, actually I either the the song or the record was up for a Grammy for either song of the year or album of the year or something like that. But yeah, I, I think that was crazy that the album was entitled Stormfront and we have a soup named Stormfront. You know, let's let's play a little did you know? I share a birthday with Billy Joel. This is all coming together. This is crazy. This conspiracy theory. I mean, we got music tie-ins. We've got we've got Billy Joel tie-ins with Stormfront. And now we got Super Freaks with songs. Super. Oh, they haven't added that song yet. But I'm expecting it. I will be disappointed now if we don't get Super Freak in one of these episodes. I think we have to will it. I think we need to create like a campaign like Stormfront's people and like a hashtag. <laughs> well, or, it's hashtag Storm Chasers, Justin. There you go. Or what about the hashtag that we also learned in the show? Heroes so white. <laughs> oh, man. That was a that was a funny part where Homelander and Queen Maeve are on uh, the Maria Menounos show, and she uh, she fires on the fact that ninety two percent of the uh, super or the the uh, soups are uh, Caucasian. But Homelander, in a response, he, I love the part where he talks about black noir, and he's like, he's like, well, so he's like, he's like, well, we have a train, and he, you know, he's black. Then we have black noir, and he doesn't really identify with any race, so we got them covered. And but that's true because at that point, a train had been kicked out of the seven, although it wasn't public. But right, yeah, yeah. no, was, you're you're right, you're right. Um, and we're gonna get to a train's uh, firing here in a second, but uh, just to finish that part. This will lead us into something else. Is oh, with Black Noir because you you just brought up about he doesn't identify with any race. Um, he's also also not a fan of Almond Joy. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Oh not. yeah, with the trash there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, Annika from Crime Analytics is you know eating an Almond Joy, and he's like uh, hands paper, paper you know says butcher. So he obviously wants to find out butcher. So. Do you think we're actually ever going to see an interaction between Black Noir and Butcher? George, I'm going to pick on you for that because oh, I know you really like Black Noir. Next episode. Yeah, you think so? Next yeah. episode? It's happening next episode for sure. Nice. So uh, I got a, a quick question because I know we're getting uh, long in the tooth on this episode. Uh, but one of the things that jumped out at me and I thought was kind of interesting um, was speaking of that show with Marie Menounos. Menounos I can't say her name. But... Um, the reveal publicly of Maeve's relationship uh, and what are the potential repercussions that may come from that? Um, so that was kind of interesting. What, what are you guys' thoughts on that? That was messed up. That's probably one of the most messed up things he's done and he's done a lot of messed up things. So That I wasn't feel, his information to share. Yeah, I feel very bad for, for Maeve and I don't know if she's gonna like. She's definitely gonna hold a grudge, or like, I, I hope she gets her revenge somehow. But yeah, that was pretty messed up. I think I was more concerned of the idea if Homelander would actually do something to Elena or Queen Maeve. Yeah, that was that was my concern. Like that, I'm that genuinely... cat's out of the bag, and it's like, yeah, mm, 
Definitely. But you saw you saw her look. She was petrified oh, with the yeah. reveal of that information. Not because it was public knowledge now, but because Homelander knew. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But but also someone who I think has a very questionable nature in itself has to do with A Train because when he sees Shockwave at, at Vought and he then goes and confronts Ashley. First of all, I love her her retort about Vought for tots, you know, apparently kids are obese and and <laughs> A Train's like, Well, I love some fat kids, you know, put me as the <laughs> as the face for it. I, I died watching watching that scene. Um but whoever wants to answer is is a train gonna go away quietly or is he gonna like do something to try to take down Vought or homelander or or shockwave or shockwave like i he's not gonna go quietly into the night there's there's no way uh, i don't know where they're gonna go with him but uh, you know it's it's like we talked about with with last season um i felt he was on a uh kind of a, a redemption arc and I think this is part of the process. Now, the question is, is he going to fall out and end up with the good old uh, collective? Are they going to scoop him up like they did the deep? Is he going to end up elsewhere? Is he going to cause some kind of p- turmoil within Vought with the revelation of information that he's got tucked away? I don't know where they're going to take that with him, but he's not by any means out of the picture. Anyone else? Maybe. Maybe he teams up with Starlight. Maybe he gets with you know talks to her about. Or I, the thing is, I don't really like. What does he have over Vought anymore besides the Compound V, which is now out in the open? What does he hold over Vought or really anybody? I mean, the problem with him is he has a heart problem, and who knows how much longer he's. I mean, how much longer he's going to last from all the uh, Compound V of V of use? I guess. Well, he still has something over Starlight. Um to homelander but now he has a reason not to reveal that because screw homelander he's the one that wants him out so now exactly revealing that information wouldn't really help him so much as hurt starlight and benefit homelander which i think is the last thing at this point he wants to do which is why i feel that redemptive arc is going to push him either towards for the collective may swoop in on him or else he may end up somehow with the boys but it's going to take some work to get him with the boys with starlight side but who knows this may right away push him right into it, going, you know what, Starlight, I know, is against Homelander and Vought, so screw it, I- I'm on board, you know? That'll be an interesting character development, you know, if if that does transpire in the next episode or maybe towards the end of of the season. Um, who knows? It's, it's crazy. So anyone else have some last thoughts about this episode before we uh, sign off? I've got a couple little funny Easter egg things that I noticed. This is, part of the reason why I love this show so much is there's so much like stuff in the background to check out. And I'm sure y'all noticed this, but there, you know, Brittany was talking about the uh, Vought for Tots, which I, I love that title. But then there was also an ad for, for Vought Plus, which is like their Disney Plus service, their streaming yeah. service, which I'm sure you could probably like package it with, with Vodify. It's probably like 25 <laughs> bucks a month or something, but it's worth the deal. You know, it's a, it's a good deal. And, uh, <laughs> I noticed when they're in, in North Carolina, they're driving in North Carolina, and there's a billboard that says that baby you abort might be super. And uh, that, that made me laugh. It's, <laughs> I missed it's that. I missed anti, that. Yeah, anti-abortion uh, thing. Wow. And if you've ever driven through Waco, Texas, you see stuff similar to that, except for, you know, minus the superhero stuff. But uh, I've seen similar stuff like that. And then uh, there was a barn in North Carolina where it, it had Homelander painted on the side, but his – 
his uh, cape was the Confederate flag. So <laughs> that that one hundred percent, if Homelander were a real superhero in our world, that would one hundred percent be something you would see on T-shirts, on the back of pickup trucks with gun racks, mm-hmm. uh, definitely on barns. You know, so. Anyway, just some funny like little Easter egg things that that uh, make me happy. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, uh, does anybody else have any parting shots or closing thoughts? I just can't wait to see uh, this upcoming episode, uh, which will be episode five for season two of The Boys. Um, there's there's a lot of you know questions like what's going to happen with Butcher now that Becca doesn't want to go with him. What's going to happen with Huey now that uh, Starlight more or less has dumped him? Is she going to continue helping the boys or not? And and like what y'all were talking about with A Train's uh, development is is he, you know, how's what's he going to do now that he's out of the seven and and everything else, of course, about Liberty and um, Homelander in general. So it's it's going to be an interesting rest of the season. Did you say liberty? Like liberty, 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 liberty. I need you to stop. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's a hell of a jingle. I I'm probably gonna be very wealthy very soon, so this might be the last show. Whatever, Justin. <laughs> Whatever. So, uh, so George, Frank, Nathan, any like closing thoughts? No, nah, I think we covered it pretty well. At least I'm uh, as far as I was concerned. Okay, well, for Brittany, George, Frank, and Nathan, this is Justin signing off. Uh, we'll be back next week for uh, for episode five of season two of The Boys. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye, Bye all. Holla. <laughs>